Welcome to the podcast, Think Biblically, conversations on faith and culture. I'm your host, Sean McDowell, professor of Christian apologetics at Talbot School of Theology, Biola University. Today, we're joined by a friend of mine, the author of a really unique new book that covers a topic we have not covered yet on this podcast. Jonathan McKee is the president of the Source for Youth Ministry, and to be honest, really my go-to person when I want to know what's going on in the world of culture, in particular as it affects young people. In particular, as it affects young people. Jonathan McKee is the author of a book, The Bullying Breakthrough, which we're going to talk about today. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. My privilege, honestly. So besides being a youth culture expert, and you pump out books all the time. I don't know how you do it. Tell me the story of why you wrote The Bullying Breakthrough in particular. Yeah, you know, when it comes to this topic of kids who are bullied and, and kids who are on campus observing that and what to do and, and, and how do we respond to that as, as loving parents and teachers. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a topic close to my heart because, uh, I was picked on a, a ton as a kid. I wasn't a stud like you, Sean. Oh, um, <laughs> and I was, and I was, uh, uh, my, and my son ended up being bullied a bunch. And so, I mean, it's just, mm. it's kind of really close to home. And, and it's interesting how in the youth mystery world, sometimes we see through the lens in which we know so well, you know, as through our own lens. And, um, and I was actually at this, uh, I, I go on this one campus near my house, uh, usually once a week. And I attended this school assembly thing, um, that was kind of cool. That was talking about, you know, self-esteem and bullying and how we treat others. And it was interesting. Uh, it was this amazing event they did, but during one exercise, they did this thing. We're like, okay, everybody grab a partner. You got a partner. Okay. Now with your partner. And the guy who was running, it was a studly guy who's kind of this jock, whatever. And it was interesting how me, through my lens, the first thing I thought when he said grab a partner is, uh-oh, this is the part I hated. And I looked and I started to see these, I saw this one kid who was this kind of little homely looking kid and he just, and immediately grab a partner, he was kind of looking around and, and nobody was choosing him. And he, so he kind of like started to try to just duck and just try to find a corner. And sure enough, this guy goes on with the exercise and, and this kid never found a partner. Wow. And And I don't think the guy leading it ever even fathomed that because he'd never experienced that. And, and, but you know, for, for those of us who have experienced being the last kid picked for basketball, you know, or, or the one that they're arguing on, you get him, no, you get him or whatever. Right, right. You know, yeah. It's honestly been that bad. Um, you know, it's like, we, we kind of, we kind of spot that, you know, and, and I like having diverse people that work with young people, uh, on my team actually, because people spot different things. You know, I have somebody who kind of struggled with drugs and stuff and he's like, Oh man, that guy's high right now. I'm like, really? I didn't even know, you know, he spots that stuff, you know? So it's, uh, it's one of those things where I, you know, I endured a bunch of that and I think God can use stuff like that. He can use our past, um, so we can help people, you know, in the present. Let's start kind of with a 30,000 foot view. And I have a a theory about this, and you can tell me if I'm crazy, if there's something to it. But when I see the focus and emphasis on bullying, say the past, I don't know, five, 10 years or so, I wonder why this issue now, and I think obviously social media plays a part in this. But I also kind of think if we are a culture and the studies show there's more loneliness, more depression, more broken relationships, if we don't know how to love people, one natural response for so many people is to bully instead. So it seems to me part of this bullying epidemic is just 
really illustrating how deeply broken our culture actually is. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're spot on because it's one of those things. Of course, it's like anything; it's messy. You can't just say it's just the phone, it's just social media. You know, it's just the state of kids' self-esteem. I mean, Center for Disease Control defines bullying as uh, basically they got this long definition, and and I like to see it as three check boxes. There's these three things that happen. One, it's this aggressive behavior by someone towards someone else. Two, it's repeated. And three, it's this power imbalance. It's mm. this, I'm trying to make myself feel better by lifting myself up, you know, by by lowering you. So when you see these aggressive, repeated, you know, power attacks, um, yeah, in, in, a, in a society where several things are happening, again, this is this messy, you know, they, they've... It goes everywhere. It goes into the bedroom. It goes everywhere. So this is because of social media and phones, but also self-esteem's at an all-time low. So people are feeling lower about themselves. So they they're, you know, more desperate to lift themselves up. Also, um, we just live in a world right now where people don't understand a lot of conflict resolution. You see, young people. I mean, what's conflict resolution for them? I mean, even even good guys like Drake. You know, when he's not singing God's plan. He's talking about, oh, you're going to talk this way about me? Well, you know, and he'll he'll let them, you know, I mean, so all our pop music is kind of like, you know, dissing on each other and, oh, yeah, you said this? Well, guess what? You know, I mean, and it's funny to see how, you know, the world is watching how Kanye and Drake are going back and forth on Twitter. Mm. Well, of course we don't know how to, you know, resolve conflict. These are our role models today. So all this is kind of creating this arena in which, you know, bullies are, are kind of thinking, okay, well, this is, this is how I make myself feel better. So it's a, it's a tough situation. Before we kind of get into some of the particulars, can you give me maybe some like theological hooks or insights for even approaching the topic of bullying? How does scripture weigh into this? Well, you know, again, you know, what we've just been talking about is, is it, this is all about me and self and I got to feel better. And that's just obviously so contrary to, to all of scripture. I mean, you even think of like the Beatitudes, it, you know, Jesus kind of flipped everything on his head with the Beatitudes. We're talking about, no, no, here's what leadership is. It's serving others and it's compassion. It's humility, meekness. You know, Th- these are not things you see on a junior high campus. You know, um, my favorite uh, is probably Philippians 2, just because Paul just said it so well there when he talked about, you know, nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Um, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And mm. any of us who work with young people or who, you know, have our own junior high kids know that, you know, I mean, when you're walking with a middle school kid or a high school kid, you know, even to the car, you know, the first thing that, you know, guys will yell is shotgun. You know, you've never heard a guy yell shotgun for you. No, you first. Let me get the door for you. you know, I mean, it doesn't happen. You know, we're just kind of selfish creatures and, and in this society, even more so. So, but at the same time, again, this is messy. We've got a generation who really cares and who's just more, just so compassionate and, and, and they, they want to make an impact. And so it's neat how we can kind of, when we show them the truth of God's word and expose it to them and they start to read, Hey, wow, I could be like Jesus. I could do this. And this is what it looks like. It, it, it's not thinking of myself first, you know, 
but thinking of others first. And here's some ways to do that. And that's, and that's where we need to start this dialogue with the bystanders of this world, um, with the, and with the bullies of this world is, Hey, look at, if there's somebody that's over there that's hurting, you can make a difference. You could actually save their life by doing something as simple as being a friend. So how prevalent is bullying today? Well, you know, it's it's all over the place, and it's funny because, I mean, you had so many different, you know, people doing studies. I think Stop Bullying, which is a government studying, uh, stopbullying.gov actually said um, 70% of young people have seen bullying in mm. their schools. Um, and the interesting thing is 70% of school staff have seen it. 62% have witnessed it two or more times in the last month. And 41% witness bullying once a week or more. So, I mean, it's something you see a lot. You know, I, I, I was on campus this morning. I was on campus last week. Um, I see kids being kind of shunned and quick little, you know, you know, uh, quick little comments to a kid. Um, again, does that meet that definition of the three check boxes? Aggressive, repeated, you know, unless I'm there. 24 seven seeing it. I don't know, but I've definitely seen a lot of that mean spirited stuff, which leaves one kid out. I saw this kid by himself over with a soccer ball, just kicking it against his backstop by himself, kind of this lonely kid while the other kids were all ignoring him, you know? So we definitely see a ton of this out there. And of course, cyberbullying has taken it to a brand new level. I want to go to the direction of cyberbullying, but let me ask a couple questions first. You interviewed people for this, which I found really helpful. So it wasn't just kind of ideas and research. You really talked to people in three groups, the bullies, bullied, and the bystander. Can you explain what you mean by those groups and what you discovered talking to each of them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could all read all these studies on it, and sure, I could even share my personal stories, but I also wanted to just really get into the minds of each of these groups, because I, I feel like when you walk on any campus, like I was today, you know, I, I go out there, and you're going to see three types of kids. You're going to see the bully, you're going to see the bullied, but then there's that other group that's sometimes ignored, and that's the bystander, and, and that's an interesting group, because as I talk to young people and I started to figure out which category they fit into, the bystander was really torn because the bully, it's kind of obvious. You see them, you know, checking the three boxes, so to speak, you know, they're, they're out there aggressively, repeatedly, you know, trying to lift themselves up by, by lowering others. You see the kids that are definitely, you'd say, man, this kid is definitely being bullied, but the bystander has got that, that tough situation where you see some girls making fun of another girl, um, cause of the clothes she wears or, you know, because of something she did and you're torn because you're standing there and you're like, okay, I don't want to join in cause I know that would be bad. But do I just say nothing or, you know, what do I say? Do I stand up and say, hey, you leave her alone because then they'll probably start making fun of me. And I found that most of them really struggle with knowing what that looks like to actually stand up, you know, and do something versus just standing by. And so that's why, you know, you probably saw, I mean, that my chapter on bystanders, you know, here's a book that's primarily to caring adults, to principals, teachers youth workers, parents, I said, here's the chapter you need to read with your kid, mm. the, the bystander chapter, because uh, this is where we can talk with our kids about how do we respond when we see this situation. So how is bullying different today than it has been in the past? Well, it's different because its arm reaches to new places. 
and I mean, that's our perfect segue to cyberbullying because it's just, I mean, cyberbullying is this new level of hurt. I mean, these victims are the ones that are the most likely to commit suicide. As a matter of fact, um, they're the ones that, you know, bullying victims are twice as likely to commit suicide as a kid who's, who's not. Cyberbullying victims are three times as likely. And the reason why is it makes sense is because, you know, it used to be that, I mean, you and I, when we went home, if, if we had a rough day, if we were teased, if we were mocked, you know, for us, you know, for many of us, we had a safe place we could retreat to, you know, so when that bell rang at 2.46 p.m. and I escaped, I was able to go home to a place where I was pretty safe, at least until 7.40 the next morning when I re-entered that world where the bullying takes place. And today there is no escape because as soon as that bell rings at 2.46, kids enter a whole new world and it's a world where mockers and intimidators thrive. And it's this world of social media and, and texting and everything that we now carry in our pockets because we're not out of reach. And, and I mean, you and I know, we've, we've read all the studies, most parents sadly, you know, allow these you know, devices into kids' bedrooms at night, despite the fact that, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, National Sleep Foundation, every expert out there is saying, hey, you know what? At nighttime, pull those devices out of the bedrooms. But most of those devices go into the bedrooms at night. And so at 10 at night, at midnight, at 1 a.m., people throw in hate still. So someone's bedroom isn't even safe anymore. So that's that's the biggest thing we've seen really in the last six years because it wasn't until 2012, which America crossed that 50% mark for carrying smartphones in their pockets. And now, according to Common Sense Media's newest study, 89% of 12 through 17-year-olds actually have smartphones, um, 97% on social media. That's huge. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the hate is now going through every Wi-Fi signal and through every cable uh, into the safety of our bedrooms. Is that why people who are cyberbullied are more likely to commit suicide and have deeper effects in their life than people who are bullied in person? Is that the heart of it? I think so. I mean, my personal theory on that is that it, we're, word travels so much faster and people have the opportunity to be so much more creatively mean. I mean, mm. um, if you read my book, you hear my story of how in middle school – um, I had it so rough that kids actually made T-shirts and they drew a caricature Gosh. of my face on the front of the T-shirt and they put a gun scope on it and they started to kill John Club. It was KJC Golly. and they had a picture of my big teeth because I had these huge buck teeth. And, and uh, as a matter of fact, if you flip over the cover <laughs> of my book, you see the picture of fourth grade Jonathan right there with the huge buck teeth. Um, just so people kind of got a glimpse of, okay, this is the, this, this is the guy who's been there. Um, well, the crazy thing is today, I mean, you know, so that was, that was so mean, you know, they drew a picture of my face. Well, now on social media, people can be so creative because I mean, they take memes, you know, and, and these funny things and instantly the whole school has it. I mean, instantly, you know, the, 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 you know, the worst characters are now spread throughout the entire school. And as a matter of fact, the school that I was on this morning, I asked the uh, vice principal, she's the one who handles all the discipline, how that affected her. And she told me the same story that I almost hear at every school because it happens literally on every campus. Every campus has one of these stories of boyfriend and girlfriend break up. And it's either was because boyfriend had asked girl to send a sexy pic. Yep. Girl usually gives in usually through Snapchat, thinking, oh, it'll disappear. Guy screenshots it, 
And what's a girl going to do when she sees the thing that comes up that says, your picture has been screenshotted? What's she going to do? Tell her parents, hey, I sent a nude picture to my boyfriend and he screenshotted it. You know, right, she can't right. do anything. You know, Well, eventually when they break up, what usually ends up happening is the guy will some – very often send a picture sometimes to the entire school, to every one of his friends, you know, oh, look at what a slut she is, you know, or this and that. Um, the school I was at this morning, they had a situation where these two were mad at each other and a guy took a nude pic that wasn't even of her, wow. but it was from, you know, the neck down and sent it and said it was her. And it didn't even matter that it wasn't her because of course the whole school, once you say it is, you know, and very often, I mean, this is where we see suicide attempts bare minimum we see kids switching schools because they just can't face you know this stuff day after day so yeah it's come to a new level and it's a new level of hurt for sure you make the point that the signs of bullying whether someone is bullying or being bullied are actually pretty obvious if anyone cares enough to really notice and pay attention what are some of the signs that adults or even other students could look for you know and i'm so glad you said that anybody who takes the time or cares to notice because that's really the key it sometimes we just aren't looking for it and that's why i love to have people on my team who maybe experienced a little more because sometimes they're the ones who kind of know what to look for and they can kind of like see a little you know or or they're at least making that effort because they're like ah here's one of those spots where somebody's going to get you know is is, is, you know going to get mocked or, or this is a great opportunity for someone, you know, looking for a partner, they're not going to find that partner. So we really have to be proactive and looking for it because sometimes you see these quote unquote chaperones on campus who honestly are just playing with the cool kids. They're tossing the football back and forth and they just honestly don't have a clue of what's going on and story after story. And I shared so many of them in the book of people I interviewed where the, I constantly kept hearing, you know, I, my teacher didn't have a clue. You know, the yard duty didn't have a clue. I told the principal and he's like, no, no, this is a good kid, you know? And, and that brings up an interesting point. And I know you asked me, I'm sorry, I'm the king of tangents. You asked me, <laughs> what are the signs? I'll get there, I promise. But it's interesting because sometimes, and, and I'm going to confess this with my own story here, sometimes the kid who's bullied is an awkward kid because when you've been shunned this much, something happened to me as a kid where I became skeptical of others. I became bitter. I became isolated. And when that happens, you don't have the as good as social skills and you're kind of awkward and you say dumb things. Well, it kind of, you know, it's, it's a, it's a downward spiral. It makes mm. things worse. And because of that, very often, one thing that we don't think about and something I touched on in the book is, you know, it's sometimes easier for us to connect with the cool kids and the socially, you know, uh, you know, proficient kids with the social awkward kids sometimes say dumb things and they, and they're, and you're just kind of like, well, that kid's frankly irritating. And so sometimes those kids get kind of left out and we don't notice them, but yes, we as loving parents, we as teachers, we as principals and, and as, as a school administration need to, to answer your question, notice some of these signs, um, of, of which the biggest, um, uh, that we could recognize, you know, in our kids are probably low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's tough because I know a lot of people will be like, Jonathan, you just said that we are experiencing record, record levels of self-esteem. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause we live in a world right now 
where every kid is carrying around a little barometer of self-esteem in their pocket. You know, they've got this device that tells them exactly how many friends they have and exactly how popular each of their posts went or didn't go. And you can always find somebody whose posts are doing way better than yours. So yeah, self-esteem super low. But I think particularly if you're a parent and you start to notice maybe your kid verbalizing some of these insecurities more and more, um, and they're saying things, it might be a mom who's, you know, uh, hey, why don't you wear these shorts to so daughter? No, I, I look, I look fat in those. Well, where did she hear that? You know, now, yes, this could be because she follows, you know, every Kardashian and Jenner and beautiful person out there who's perfect. And, and she realizes I don't have the perfect thigh gap and, you know, all the stuff that's out there. But sometimes they hear this stuff. And if all of a sudden you notice this change in them, where all of a sudden they're verbalizing insecurities. You know, what was that? Do you see a change in friend groups? You know, hey, you know, hey, do you want to hang out with Maddie? Do you want to hang out with Brian? Oh, no, I, no, I, don't, I don't really hang out with Brian anymore. I don't, you know, look for these. You know, do you see them avoiding school, declining grades? Um, if you attend their sports or you attend their event, do you ever hear some teasing from others? I, I remember going to school with my son um, at this event. I started to hear some stuff. And, of course, my, you know, my ears are perked for that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I recognize that my wife, a cheerleader, didn't hear it at all. She's like, what? Uh, like, no, 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 look what that kid just did over there, you know? And then she was tuned into it immediately. So, you know, but it was, it, this is the kind of stuff where, and again, don't freak out. You know, you hear something like, Hey, if you, if you see a change in eating habits, you know, your kid might be being bullied. Well, don't freak out. Don't overreact. I mean, you know, if, if your son, maybe your son just ate an entire bag of Doritos on the way home from school. And that's why he's not eating his carrots that you laid out for him, you know? Um, you know, so don't freak out. But if you start to notice several of these things, then that's when we just need to tune in and pay attention. And that's where we as parents really need to step up. And, and the key thing we can do more than anything else is not freak out because mm. every single kid who had been bullied that I interviewed him, the thing they kept saying is I didn't want to tell anybody because I knew it would only get worse. I knew they'd only freak out. I knew, you know, because they knew that mom would be like, what? I'm going to call his parents right now. You know, <laughs> right, right. and I heard story after story of these kids who would literally come out of the principal's office where the principal's like, okay, are you friends now? All right, shake hands, you know, and they'd walk out and the other kids would be like, all right, you think that was smart, huh? Or well, we're going to get you later. You know, I mean, literally in the bathroom right afterwards. And so most kids are like, don't want to share because we become the fixer. We want to fix it right then. And honestly, we need to start thinking about the, you know, every professional counselor out there, they don't start with the fix. They start with empathy. They start with listening. And our kid who's alone, who's hurting, who feels like nobody understands, nobody cares. They don't need a fix right then. And eventually we can get to it. There's things we can do. But the first thing we need to do is just listen and say, wow, I'm so glad you told me. Thank you for sharing. I, 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 you must have felt so alone. And just give them a friend. Give them someone who listens and understands. That's what we need to do more than anything else. That's where it starts. That's such good advice, and it's biblical. Like Romans twelve fifteen talks about, be happy with those who are happy and be sad with those who are sad. Showing empathy is a Christian response to all kinds of pain, in a particular to bullying. So that's that's just that's wonderful advice. Let me ask you a question that comes up in the media a lot: is what's the connection between school shootings and bullying? 
Yeah, there's a lot of debate about this. And, and I will use the word messy again, because if you were to say school shooting is because of bullying, you know, as a guy who's spent, you know, literally over a hundred hours studying this stuff and experienced it. And as a kid who wanted to take a gun to school and shoot three kids in wow. the face, <laughs> wow. I mean, I'll tell you, man, if I had access to a gun back then, I, by God's grace, I didn't, um, you know, bullying is definitely a significant contributing factor, but it's not the only factor. I mean, every, most of the studies out there will talk about how bullying is one of those, you know, contributing factors, but mental illness very often is and home life. But you see these exceptions out there and, and Columbine obviously is one that a lot of people are familiar with. And when you look at something like Columbine where you have, you know, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebel, who I spent a lot of time studying um, in, in that one book I wrote about a school shooting, I, I, I highlight, I, I, you know, really was trying to get into the mind. Well, Eric Harris, I think had some mental illness. I think he had some issues. I think he also had some home life issues and he definitely had bullying because you could actually go online and Google Columbine bullying on video. I mean, and you can see the white hats, the jocks walking around that campus. And I have a friend who was a youth pastor in Columbine during it. And he talks about, he knew some of those kids and I won't mention some of the names. Uh, You know, I know the names of some of the kids and that's why when, you know, Cleveland Harris walked in, they're like, anybody with a white hat, stand up. That's what they said. They were after the white hats. They were after these bullies. And I, I'm almost insulted when I hear some of these experts who haven't been bullied, who don't know what it's like, when they say, no, it wasn't that. It was mental illness. I got two words for you. Dylan Klebold. Yeah, that's Eric Harris's friend, one of the Columbine shooters. And guess what? He wasn't mentally ill. I mean, no, I mean, he went, you know, shopping for colleges with his parents the weekend before, had a great home life, um, stable kid. Everybody who knew him said that, but bullied significantly and made friends with this kid, Eric Harris. So it's interesting how much you see this. And we saw kids, the stabbing uh, kid, uh, Alex Hribel, uh, who brought all the knife to school and, and stabbed, I mean, slashed like 17 different people huge bullying was a huge factor. And I think mental illness was a factor there too. Mm. So it's this messy thing. But let me tell you something. When kids had my face on the front of a t-shirt, you know, and I mean, and I sat there and every day a kid walked by, hit me in the back of the neck, knocked my books off the tail. I wanted to kill him. Mm. I'm just telling you straight up. I was mentally unstable at that point because I think I would have. I had dreams about it. I still will wake up in a sweat and have this one kid's face. You know, and, and my wife knows the kid's name and she'll be like, oh, you having a, and she says his name, <laughs> Dream again. And she knows. And I've actually gone to a little bit of counseling. Wow. Um, and, and some of this has opened up. It's, it's, it's affected my marriage. It's affected my relationship with others, mm. my skepticism towards others. It's, it's a significant factor in school shootings. And we need to pay attention to this because very often um, we ignore this. And this is one of the repercussions that can happen. Let me close by asking you this question that it didn't surprise me that you brought this up because I know you and your heart in this, but it's a piece that's not often discussed is you talk about grace, grace towards those who are bullied, towards bystanders, and even towards the bully. Give us some thoughts on what you mean by that. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where, again, I love to bring you know, not just young people, but all of us back to scripture. I love to bring us back to 
the grace that God's extended to us, I think it's no accident that when Paul it lays out in this amazing letter to the people of Philippi in, in Philippians 2, where he says this, you know, uh, this, you know, selfish ambition, vain conceit, consider others better than yourself. Um, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but consider others better than yourself. Um, and do not look out for your own interests, but the interests of others. Then he goes on to say, like Christ did. And he goes, as a matter of fact, Christ. And he starts going in and talking about what Christ did because Christ models this. Christ, Christ's last act was, you know, all this hate towards him. And what's he do? He turns around and he lays down his life for them. Mm. And so this is one of those things where, um, you know, luckily, I mean, we're, we're following a savior who modeled this and exemplified this and who went through this. And for us, we can say, hey, you know what? These be- and think about how much of his teaching, Sermon on the Mount, loving those hard to love. You know, how many times did he say, you know, things about like, hey, you know, it's easy to love someone who's easy, you know, who's nice to you. How about those who are hard to you, you know? You know, and, and so he constantly talked about this. And this is one of those things where, um, you know, there's going to be times where we go, well, I might risk my reputation. I might risk my safety. And our response should be, you mean like Christ did? You know, I mean, honestly, this is one of those things where the more we spend time studying Christ, I think our eyes are going to be open. Jonathan, give me a last uh, 30 second, just important truth for our listeners. You know what? I think it's the fact that I I came across this study that showed these kids that were kind of having this downward spiral of, of being teased and they felt worse about themselves. So they treated others worse. And, you know, again, it just got worse and worse and worse. And the study was phenomenal, and I cited in the book. It showed that those students who were experiencing this downward spiral, who had just one friend, now think about this, one friend made the difference in a kid's life from continuing down that downward spiral or being able to have someone that they could just dialogue with, spend time with someone that just made them feel like, Hey, I'm not completely alone in this. And it's amazing because the more I started to look, the more I found that anybody who had just one friend, one friend made a difference. So my word for especially young people out there is, man, you can make an incredible difference by befriending, not just eating lunch with someone once, but by saying, Hey, I'm going to make a repeated effort to befriend this kid who's hurting. That is such a good last word. And I really believe that's the heart of the novel you wrote called Bystanders because most people aren't strong bullies or being just vigorously bullied, although that happens, like you said, significantly. Most people probably fall in the category of bystanders. And you wrote this really creative novel to just help people amidst this bullying culture say, how can I be a friend to at least one person that can make a difference really in many cases of life and death. So Jonathan, thanks for coming on. Your book, The Bullying Breakthrough is excellent. It's full of stories. It's biblical wisdom. It's really practical. It's research-based. I thoroughly enjoyed it and commend it to our listeners. And I want to personally thank you for all the research you do. I know sometimes it's tireless and it's exhausting, but you are bringing a biblical perspective, which is what we're all about here at Biola to one of the most important issues of the day, bullying. So thanks so much for coming on and joining us. Hey, thanks for having a Westmont grad. (laughs) 
Thanks again, man. This has been an episode of the podcast, Think Biblically, Conversations on Faith and Culture. To learn more about us and today's guest, Jonathan McKee, and to find more episodes, go to biola.edu forward slash thinkbiblically. That's biola.edu forward slash thinkbiblically. If you enjoyed today's conversation, give us a rating on your podcast app and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. And remember, think biblically about everything.